0: You know, God hasn't left the room, and I just felt really strong to do this. But I want us to, to go back into that posture of worship and not getting the guys back up to play. But I want you just to, I just feel like we're we're in a in holy ground. We're in a holy place because God's in this place. And, you know, it's very quick. When, when you jam announcements in the middle after worship, it's like there's no good time to do announcements, really. But um, I just want us to, um, just to take a moment. And only you close your eyes. I want you to um, forget what's going around you. And I just, Lord, we just thank you that you're in this place. Father, we just we just thank you that this is holy ground because you are here, and we're holy because you're holy. And Jesus, right now, you're worthy of all of our time, all of our attention, all of our affection, because it's in you, through you, and because of you that we live and have our being. And this morning, Lord, we set you apart. Lord, we don't come just to teach about you. We come to encounter you this morning. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done, your life, death, what you've done that paved the way for us to come and to relate to community. So Father, right now, we, sit, we continually set you apart in our minds. In this moment, Holy Spirit, we just we acknowledge that you inhabit us, you live on the inside of us and you're here in this place. So when we just encourage you to continue to come and move and blow how you want to, Come in the ways that you want to speak and minister to your people this morning. Father, we would just not pass by. That you would come and, and you would dwell in this place. Father, I just pray for a reverence, for a holiness in this place. God, we thank you that you're not ordinary, but you're extraordinary. You're not natural, but you're supernatural. God, you're so other that we find it hard to understand. But Jesus, we thank you that we can relate to God through you. You're the way, you're the truth, and you're the life. You have not called us to live a stale, stuck life. But in this place, there's freedom. In this place, there's joy because you're here, Lord. So this morning, we just continue to, to exalt you in our hearts. Not, with our lip, not just with our lips, but God, right now, we, we hold that in our hearts this morning. Amen. Look, this morning is is Pentecost Sunday so I want to I really just touch a bit on in fact, I think that's the better sermon really in terms of what I say now is really obsolete in some senses but um, the Spirit of God comes to rest on a place and, and I really feel he, he looks for people. God looks for people who are not just busy going through the church motions. In fact, they don't feel restricted or they don't desire just to go right i'm going to take this box this box this box as long as cafe's good kids get out on time you know everything we're all prim and proper that that's not what god's looking for in his church we've created a parameter in which we think church should look like and live like but the spirit of god you know you, you know you can't control the wind who here can control the wind it means you can't control the spirit and the spirit of god likes to come and do what he wants to do and in fact that's what we got to be about as a church That as the spirit moves, we just go, you know what? I'm going to get out of the way. Have you ever tried to obstruct God? Ever tried to get in the way? Who comes out worse than that one? If you're not thinking you, you're thinking wrong, right? (laughs) When we look at Pentecost, and you can go and you can look at your own context and dig into really more about that, but what we're really picking up, and we're going to go to Acts 2, Uh, so if you want to go there in your Bibles you can but what we see is this is a time this is a place where the early believers the early church per se they were waiting on the promised gift that Jesus had told them to wait for there was a promised gift that Jesus says go and wait in Jerusalem they didn't know exactly what that would look like they didn't know exactly when it would come but they were told to go and wait and wait so much in our today's society, we, we, we struggle with waiting. In fact, we think waiting is a passive thing. But how, much do you know, how many of you know that when you wait on the Lord, it's not a passive thing? It's a focused thing. Waiting, in fact, sometimes means removing things in our lives so we can get back to the single focus. And as the, these people gathered in a prepared place, by the way, for, from the Lord, the spirit began to fall. And it's out of that that we've seen the church of Christ that was birthed. The church was born. You see, God, for us as a community, for, us, for you as an individual, and in fact, Fiona you know, talked about how God wanted to move not only corporately, but as individuals, and to come out behind that curtain. How many of you know that God has prepared places and spaces where he wants to come and encounter you in life? We may not know that the... the the designated times, but in the book of Acts we see, and we'll read it, where it says that the Spirit of God came unsuddenly. How many of you know that it was suddenly for them, but it wasn't suddenly for Him? See, God has prepared moments in your life where He wants to come and touch you in power and love. That's the hope that we get to live for. And it's these prepared spaces, these prepared moments, are what we call where heaven and earth comes in collision. You know, in some languages you might call them thin spaces. Moments of encounter. But it's these moments when, when God breaks, thing, breaks in, everything else changes. That when God breaks into a moment of your natural life in a supernatural power, you're not, the, you're not the same the way you were two minutes before. And I know some of you have had radical encounters or moments in your life, or some of you are sitting here going, I long for those. That when we encounter the Lord... It's like we we go in the south gate, but we leave the north gate. We don't go. We don't leave the same way. And what's really interesting is, and I believe you know, I'm preaching to the choir in, in many ways because it's a reason you're here. But what's really interesting is, you cannot separate the birth of the church with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You cannot separate the birth of the church with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that birthed the church. So how many of you know that the outpouring of the Spirit is the thing that births your every movement in life? The direction, the vision in which you go. And the moment the church, and it's in some ways heretical to say this, but the moment the church tries to do life without the Spirit is the moment they're going against what the whole purpose and mission and vision of God was for the church. It means that the DNA of the church is to be interdependent on the Spirit. Interdependent. Not independent, but interdependent. Interdependence means you cannot separate. It's DNA that is, that is intertwined, that it's a new creation. And that's who we are, not only when we say church as corporate, but as individuals. And when we see, and when we look at Pentecost, and you can go and look at the whole, the whole history of that, but I'll, I'll not have time to, considering it's five past twelve. But when we look at Pentecost, we are looking at the outpouring of the Spirit's power. And what the outpouring of the Spirit's power is showing us, it's the movement of God towards his people. God didn't outpour his Spirit on an empty room. When God poured out his Spirit, it's showing a movement towards something. It's him moving towards his creation. In fact, it's the movement of what we call love. And the movement is him giving himself to his church. We love because what? He first loved. Love is not just airy-fairy, you know, when you're with your spouse. But it's a movement, okay? And in Acts 2, 1-4, to it's where we see in, in, in the first upper room, the first Pentecost of the church... Is where they were filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? And it'll not it'll come up on the screen, all right? So you've got to have your own Bible. If you don't have one, we'll buy you one. Or go on your phone. Acts 2, 1 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. How many of you know that there's enough of an outpouring for everyone else to get touched? That it's not about, like, you know, when that Black Friday happens and you see the deal and everybody has to rush to get the, the 42-inch TV and you're fighting each other for it? That's not what it's about in the kingdom. That when an outpouring happens, everyone can, not everyone will get touched in the same way and we can't look to go well God's not me encountering me that way but instead we have to look to how he wants to encounter us and then it goes on to say they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance and what's really interesting is people can get you know in our charismatic streams or evangelical streams we look at this passage and we go tongues of fire we're like great job bring it right and then for others they're like it could be strange language But in 1 John 4, it says that God is love. We know that. And if the definition of love, like I said, is the movement towards someone, then Pentecost demonstrates an outpouring of God's love on his people. God wants to pour his love upon you and move in you. And although language seems strange in this moment, when the Spirit of God moves in a room, how many know it's not normal? We, we can sometimes comprehend what he does in an environment. And in fact, I remember when I first started to come in around our circles, I tried to go to I'm going I'm to understand, I'm going to have the language to explain what's going on in this. I'm going to try and explain what's going on. And I realized, I just do more damage than good. Because when the Spirit of God does something, God who's so other touches us, our human language fails to describe. We can try, but we fail to describe what he's doing. So when we read that the people were filled with the Spirit, I want you to know, we can read that they were filled with the love of God. I remember a a number of years ago, I think I maybe shared this story before, but uh, it was during, I think it was a week of prayer and fasting. I can't remember what year right now, but uh, I was over at that that sound desk. In fact, I was sitting exactly where Rita was sitting, and at the back, and we were doing, at that time we were doing coffee and clean. And coffee and clean was an easy way to bribe people to come and clean the building, right? We'll give you coffee and treats. And I, th- I can't remember what day, but it was during, during a certain part of the day. And, you know, I, th- I think Charm was about doing her thing, praying, and, and people were cleaning. And it was just a hustle and bustle about the place. And it was a time in my life where I said, Lord, I, I want... I felt like he was stirring something in me to say there's more than just intellectual Christianity. There's more. Now remember, doctrine and understanding is important. I'm not saying it's one or the other. There's not a, dichot- a dichotomy in that. But there was something where I was like, Lord, I, I desire more. I desire more of your presence and your power. And I remember sitting at the back and I was had a Spotify list on and people were doing hustle and bustle. And you know when you get that moment, a bit like when you're in worship or at your own time, you just, you just sort of forget what's going on around you. And you just press into a moment where it's just you and God. You forget about who else is about and all I can describe, and I'm going to try and use human language for this. But all I can describe was my lips started to tingle. And I wasn't having a stroke. <laughs> not to joke about that. But all of a sudden, as I began, to, and I thought, this is, this is different. That was the language I used. And I began to just go, okay, God. And I pressed in. Because how many, you know, <clears throat> you need to participate with the move of God. God's not going to come in and just, well, sometimes he can And as I began to participate and I began to, a bit like what we did this morning was, I just began to to set him apart in my mind. I began to worship who he was. All of a sudden it moved from my lips down into my torso, into my hands, into my feet, to the point where it was like, and I'll use this language, it was like electricity shot through my whole body. And I thought, this is different. (laughs) What is this, God? And it was one of the first radical encounters I had and I forgot about everybody else around me to the point where I couldn't move I was so filled with the power of God in, that, in a mundane moment when there's coffee and cleaning so if you're doing your house work and you go, God can't encounter you uh, you know, there's your excuse removed and what happened in that moment was a healthy fear of the Lord came upon me because even though I couldn't necessarily move it wasn't a fear in that I'm stuck, it was a fear in that He is in control He is completely in control in my movements of my being and do you know what that encounter said inside of me? There's no doubt in my mind that he is in control of me and of all of us. There is no other, there is no other God who is in control. And the only, way, the, only, the only place that I believe someone else is in control other than God is in my mind. But do you know what I discovered? When God comes and moves in unexpected ways, when those encounters come and they, and they mark you, Those encounters mark you, they change you in a a, a way that we can't necessarily forget about. But I've come to know that after some life-changing encounters with the Lord, the biggest challenge is not disbelief. The biggest challenge that comes next is busyness. Because if the enemy can't get you into disbelief, he will get you into the distracted belief. I'll say it again. After moments and encounters in your life, if the enemy can't get you into disbelief because those moments mark you, this is who God is. If he can't get you into disbelief, he'll get you into distracted belief. And that's what happens. And that's the danger for all of us is we just go on to the next thing. Once we have an encounter with the Lord, and God doesn't encounter us for entertainment, he encounters us for a transformation. And what we begin to see a life in the Holy Spirit is a lot easier when we remove the distractions. And what we actually have been hearing over the past couple of weeks is that these encounters, these revelations, they build your faith immeasurably. The faith that is imparted in those moments are built immeasurably. And if disbelief can't be achieved to shake it, then I can tell you this, distractedness will be used to dilute it. There are encounters all across this room That the Lord wants you to remember. Not to go back to those moments, but to remember what He spoke to you. And what's really important is I want to, I'm not going to have a lot of time to go through. I really had about six aspects of how the Holy Spirit can move in our lives, but I'll try and fly through them. And if you can take notes and and you can take notes of the scriptures, it would be good to do that. But I want to, you know, I want to go into a bit of ministry afterwards. But one way that, or a couple of ways that we can understand how and why the Spirit moves that will help us remain focused on living a life in the spirit. You see, a lot of people believe we do life with the Holy Spirit. He's a helper. He's an advocate. And that language is okay. But you're not, you're not, you can't, you don't do life with the spirit. You do life in the spirit. Because if the spirit is God and and all things are in God, then you do life in the spirit. There's a difference. And what happens is when we begin to realize the Holy Spirit is not just external, not over here, and when I'm hiding behind the curtain, do you know who's behind the curtain with you? Do you know who's the one beckoning you out behind the curtain? Because the hide behind the curtain is the shame. It's the fear of being stepping out. But some people in this room have been hiding behind the curtain for far too long and it's by the Holy Spirit's power that you will step out behind the curtain. To be a light, that's scripture. A light can't shine if it's hidden under a basket. Your light can't shine if you're hiding behind a curtain. And one of the aspects of the Holy Spirit, and I might jump around, is is the Holy Spirit is liberator. The Holy Spirit is liberator. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to live life in full freedom in Christ. Romans 8, 2, it says, Because through Christ, Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit has your best interest in mind. He's an advocate, but he will not not be submitted to your excuses. And one of the things that we can begin to do is we can make excuses about our growth. Because all of us have an inherent resistance to change. Who here has inherent resistance to change? Okay, there was one person over here nodded, right? The first step to change is admitting that you don't like change. And what happens is, to move... Through Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You are free from the law of sin and death, but it's up to you to no longer go back that way. Repentance means you go in a different direction. So therefore, don't, des- don't go, just get rid of your desires and go back to his desires. And anyways, the Spirit empowers us to walk the Jesus way, to desire what Jesus desires and not of our own. Because within every single person in this room is a desire for homeostasis, which is peace and tranquility. Ask the Spirit who empowers us to step out from behind the curtains, whatever the curtain looks like in your life. You cannot step out on your own strength. Instead, ask the advocate to come and go, Holy Spirit, help me step out in whatever that looks like for you. The Holy Spirit is also a representative. It's the Holy Spirit's job to present Christ to us. In John sixteen twelve to 14, it says, I still, this is Jesus talking, I still have much to tell you, but you cannot yet bear to hear it. However, when the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. That means there's still things you need to learn and understand and grow with. For he will not speak of his own, but he will speak what he hears. And he will declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me, which is Christ, by taking from what is mine and disclosing it to you. It's not that the Holy Spirit is superior to Jesus, because that's having a hierarchy in the Trinity, which doesn't exist. But what it displays is it's the Spirit's job to reveal Jesus. And what did Jesus say? No one comes to the Father except through me. There's this, there's this pointing away from themselves. In other words, it's a gospel that's not centered on self. It's uncentered on, on God. And what it displays to us is that we're not the center of our story. God is. You see, the Trinity are constantly pointing themselves away. And I know I'm splitting the Trinity, so again, that in itself is heretical. But what we see is the Spirit reveals Jesus, and Jesus is pointing to the Father. He says, pray, our Father... Who in heaven? And what happens is, I really believe humility is one of the birthplaces for encounter. Humility is one of the landing strips which Jesus, which the Spirit of God cannot resist coming into a room. And when we surrender to control, we, get, we say, Do you know what? Pride, ambition, we let it go. We say, come Holy Spirit. Reputation A desire to hold reputation will hinder us from allowing him to do a work in us. In fact, I remember Jesus being representation. Another, again, there's stories of encounters. And I remember being, it must have been another prayer and fasting a week. They're quite impactful for me sometimes. It's because I really love food. (laughs) Not that that brings, you know, encounter either because then that's workspace righteousness so we'll not go there. But I remember having an encounter with the Lord in that kid's room. And it was an encounter that I, the power of God came upon. Everyone was in the room again. They left. I think they're probably locked up around me. But in that moment, I went into an open vision. And I haven't had many open visions. But I went into an open vision where I was standing at the foot of the cross. And and Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's no longer on the cross. But this moment, I stood in uh, front of crucified Jesus, and, I, and I, he pointed me to the the hole in his side, knowing he was stabbed with a spear. And it says where the, the water came out. And he says, this is my anointing, this is my spirit. He says, I've died so that my spirit may be in all. And we know that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, the spirit of God was revealing Jesus in a way, and I believe that's been one of the most impactful reasons that I... I, I commend the ministry. I was in ministry at the time, but it was one of the reasons why I go, this is not about filling people with head knowledge. This is about transformation. This is about people having an encounter with the risen Jesus who died on the cross for us so that his spirit can live in us. And when the spirit comes and live on the inside of you, we're no longer the same. But what I've discovered is the spirit, I think it was maybe Bill Johnson said this, the spirit lives in you for your sake but he comes upon you for the sake of others. Yeah. There is a difference because there's a lot of Christians who we all, when you profess and you, you, know, you give your life to Jesus, you have the spirit. I mean, that's to comprehend that's another thing. The spirit living on the inside of you, but there is a difference when you see some believers walking in the power of the spirit. When somebody gets the theology of that, let me know. But another thing is the work of the Holy Spirit is the creation of new life? You know, in the Old Testament, they they, they you know the word used is the ruach, the wind, for the spirit. And what we begin to see, you'll see it in Genesis, is the creative breath. In fact, Genesis two seven says, "Then the Lord God formed man, formed a man from the dust of the ground." Okay, so there's the first part. God formed a man, and then the second part. Is he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Do you know too many people just exist, just settle for existing instead of living? They're just a man or a woman. And they've just settled for existing. But there's something about it when the Spirit of God breathes his breath in us. And he's done that obviously because, well, you're here and you're living. But there's an ongoing, and we'll look at it later on, there's this ongoing encounter that God breathes his breath and you become alive. What area of your life needs life in it? Where are you still? Where are you just existing in? That you need the spirit of God come to, to lead you into thriving. We need to move from this. Christians just go, I will survive until Jesus returns and then I will thrive. But that's not the life Jesus died for you to live. Okay, some people here have got that. <laughs> we have to get fresh revelation to understand the type of life that Jesus died for us to live. And if we don't have the faith and the hope for that, and I say this, we need to repent of that and ask God, forgive me for my unbelief. He's not the problem we are. Now I'm not saying that to beat you up because to be honest, we only know what we know. But the spirit, the ryok, the wind of God wants to come and to breathe so you're no longer in survival mode but thrival mode. Thriving comes when you allow the spirit of God to breathe on the ashes of our lives. We first have to go through the pain of accepting where are the ashes so that he can bring beauty out of them. Because when we have moments of encounter, when we have moments where God sets us free from something, whether how little or how large, it gives us the hope of the kingdom to come. We have to be eternity driven otherwise we don't live with a sense of perseverance in our current sufferings. Because we, we don't always get the prayers that we want. We don't, we're not all living in the areas of freedom that we want in, in, in a certain area of our lives. It doesn't mean that we, we just give up hope. But when we when the Lord sets us free, encounters us in a certain way, whatever it may be, it, it, it gives us the hope of the kingdom to come. It gives us the first fruits of the of the kingdom fruits to come in the next life. In fact, Romans 8 says it better. It says, "I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. for the creation was subject to the frustration, to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected, in hope listen in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage of decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. When we ha- and it's the reason we have to watch for distractedness. Because when distractedness comes in our lives, we lose hope of the kingdom to come. And the more we gather the history of what God has done in us, we see his greater history to come. It gives us hope. It's actually why the early church were able to die and, and be martyrs for their faith. Because they had no doubt for where they were going. They had no doubt of the kingdom to come, that they gathered the stories and the testimonies that it was a taste of the first fruits of the kingdom to come. I want to invite the the guys back up. I can't get through the rest of it, but um, Acts two, the Holy Spirit is a magnet to both hunger and humility. He is. A, he cannot. God cannot help be drawn. In fact, it's like. This isn't really the the hermeneutic of this verse, so forgive me. But when the Spirit, it's like the picture when when the Spirit hovered the earth in Genesis. Now obviously there was there was the void, so things weren't certain things weren't created. But God is constantly looking for people to land on. It's like the dove of heaven is constantly looking for people to fall upon. And it's only by the grace of God that we get to that revelation, but you know, in our own responsibility, it's going. Humility and hunger are the landing strips for the Spirit of God. If there's anything that you're going, how do I get into positions and places where God will, will, will speak to me and move, is get hungrier and get more humble. Humility is going, it's not thinking less about yourself and beating yourself up, because that's, that's not what that's about. It's about going, I need you, God. I can't come out behind the curtain without your help. I need you to give me the empowerment, the strength to be able to step out. Acts 2, 4, it said they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. They spoke in a heavenly language. In fact, I feel like this morning, God might want to give some of you a heavenly language. You've been asking for the the, the ability to pray or to sing in tongues. And sometimes when we hide behind a curtain, we're afraid the people to look stupid in front of people. It's better to be a fool for Christ than wise in the, the eyes of the world. When you walk and you allow the Spirit to come upon you, the early church, they look drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. It's better to be a fool for Christ than wise in the eyes of the world. Because there will come a time when Christ reveals what was really behind the curtain. When we see this film of the Spirit in the 1st Pentecost and you can look through Acts, you will see it wasn't a one-time thing. There was continual baptisms and infillings of the Holy Spirit that we don't have time to look at. But that's what it's pointing to. It's the continual infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing occurrence. And what was really interesting in John 1, when we look at Jesus' baptism, when you look at the language and the Greek within that, baptized in was this, this, the Greek word baptizo. And it means to be dipped repeatedly, to be immersed. In fact, it means to be overwhelmed and to be made clean. Now Jesus didn't need to be made clean. It was a model for us. And what happens is too many Christians, we just go, I'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit once and then I'm done. No, the best way I can describe this is like a pickle. I know some of you might not like pickles. But a cucumber is a vegetable and it's taken. And it's first dipped quickly in boiling water to open its pores. But then it's immersed in a vinegar solution. And that's that baptizo. The Spirit of God wants to immerse you in his presence this morning. That's what happened. But it's a heart posture, I really believe. To want to be immersed... To want to be saturated. To want to do life not just with the spirit. But in life in the spirit. Then we go God immerse me. He already is, but it, there's something in the mind that we make this switch that We say, I'm saturated in the presence of God. There's nowhere I can go where he will not be. So Holy Spirit, I surrender control and let you come and continually fill me in a whole new way. He fills you for your sake, but then what happens is when you steward the presence, when you steward the dove, he comes upon you in ways that he then wants to get filling other people. It's the flow of love. He does not want to fill you to make you fat. And I... <laughs> He wants to fill you, to empower you, to see the kingdom of God come around this area. He does not want Christians who just exist. He wants Christians who are alive. You cannot be alive on your own strength. You can only be alive when the breath of life comes and breathes upon you. We have to surrender control. We have to surrender our pride, our ambition that says, you know what, I've got it all together. Can I tell you something? I'll be the first person to stand up here and say, I have not got it all together. In fact... I was at a counselling yesterday with a guy who, who wrote a lot of our TT and I sometimes in question in life. <laughs> My God is in control. And we have to get rid of the sense of that we have an earthly dignity. And this morning I want you to stand. Life in the spirit is what allows us to become more like Christ and to live as Christ did. Jesus didn't just die for you, he died as you. Therefore, he wants you to receive the new life that he received. And so this morning these guys are going to go back and I know it's half past. Our kids workers will hold on to your kids. Don't worry. And I want if you want to continually be immersed in the presence of God, if, if anyone's on our ministry team, can I have a couple of you come forward? And we will just want to pray. If you're here and you want to step out behind the curtain, that sometimes might look like just stepping out from behind your seat. And we're just going to pray that the Spirit of God will come, that the Father will continue. He may have given you the helper, but he wants to immerse you in his love, in his power, in his presence. That we just want to pray. We're going to have a bit of a time of ministry. Our service is done but we just want to if that is you I want to invite you to come forward. Right now just to maybe you've already you're just hungry and you're humble and you go God I want more of you. I want your life. I want your real wind. I want you to come Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit right now and if you are where you are and you can move in your own time just close your eyes and open your, and open your hands or do whatever it is as if you're receiving the gift that is of grace, not of yourself. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come in your creative breath and breathe into the ashes of our lives. God, would you, would you bring beauty out of them? Would you come and move how you want to move? God, give us, empower us to step out from behind the curtain this morning that we would be filled with your Spirit again will be immersed to become new creations to be sanctified to be made holy in your sight Lord that the fire of heaven will come and empower us to continue to do what you've called us to do come Holy Spirit Father send your spirit prepare for power to come upon your people these guys are going to be here and we're just going to minister. These guys are going to sing a song behind us. We're going to minister to the Lord and we're going to see him come in power.